Rivertown Community Church. Hey, it's so good to have all of you at all of our campuses, and I'm excited to be sharing with you guys again. I had the last three weeks off and had an opportunity to go around to our different campuses. In fact, I got to spend a Sunday evening with those of you on the Wakala campus, and that was absolutely awesome, and then a Sunday morning with Bluntstown and Chipley and Fairhope, and just to get to see new names and faces of people and make some new relationships. Absolutely awesome time. And I just want to thank uh, Gray and Matt for allowing me to have that opportunity to go to our other campuses. And it's just always good to see what God is doing in so many different communities and just really seeing so many people just really working hard to make our communities more livable and to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's, it's been a real, real good experience over the last few weeks. And uh, here, here's the thing. If you're just kind of new to this whole series or you're like, this is your first time today, what we've done is the last couple of weeks we've been talking about, like, what do you do? when you face the bottom of the ninth moments in your life because the reality is every one of us we face what is known as the bottom of the ninth moments in fact as Matt Johnson said for the last two weeks he did a great job he says the bottom of the ninth moments are those moments when like all of your hope seems gone and it appears like there's just no way out of this situation or this de desperate situation that you're in in fact it's those moments when you really stop and think about it like when the dead is just going to take you over and it's just going to take you down and there is no way for financial freedom and it looks like maybe you're gonna have to file bankruptcy or something or, or maybe it's like your marriage is headed for that divorce lawyer and you did not want that but it looks like there is just no way for any kind of reconciliation or maybe your son and your daughter is like just full-on rebellion and it's no sign that they're ever going to come back from that and your heart is just completely broken or for some of you, and I've had these conversations with many of you, is like the depression is just dominating your life and there's no hope in your mind like how you're going to break out of this darkness. Or even for others of you, that addiction has just dug its claws so deep into you and you see no clear path back to freedom. See, the reality is this. Every one of us, we face our bottom of the ninth moments. And the reality is all of us feel the same emotions when we are in them. Like when we're down to our last strike, I mean, we can't help but feel down and out and consumed by doubt. That's how we all feel. That's the emotion that tends to come over us when we're in the bottom of the ninth moment. And that's why we're having like a five-week conversation on how do, we, how do you respond to those bottom of the ninth moments. And let me just say this. If you miss the first two weeks of this conversation, please go back and catch up either on our website or an app because I would encourage you to go back and watch or listen to Matt because Matt did such a great job of talking about how do you hold on to hope in those bottom of the ninth moments. And then like, what does it look like? He talked about this last week. What does it look like to confront the brutal facts of your situation and at the same time, one, in one hand it's like, like you're confronting the brutal facts and the other hand it's like you're believing you just keep believing because you have hope that with God, anything is possible. Now today, we're not going to talk about what Matt said we're going to talk about. Last week, if you were with us, remember he said there's this amazing talk that he just can't wait for you guys to hear? Well, I'm doing that next week. I think he got his weeks mixed up last week. So um, you're going to have to come back for that talk next week. And I'm excited about it because it's like one of my favorites as well in this whole series. And, and I'm excited to share it. But we felt like this one needed to come before next week to kind of set up where we're going next week. And that's next week we're going to talk about, like, how do you hold on to hope when you lose? Just like when you're down and out and you lose. 
How do you hold on to that hope? But today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do you avoid the most common mistake that every one of us have a tendency to make when we are down to our last strike. Like what is like the most common mistake that we make when we find ourselves consumed by doubt or overwhelmed by our circumstances or overwhelmed by our situation? Because see, as most of you kind of know, the bottom of the ninth, it carries with it these strong, strong emotions. And you know that because so many of you have been there. I mean, you have felt the frustration of a bottom of the ninth moment. I mean, you have felt the anger. You have felt the intensity. You have felt the depression. You have felt the confusion of going, what now? Which is why, like when you're in a bottom of the ninth moment, it is so important for you to recognize this fact. In fact, you might want to write it down. Emotions open the door to temptations. D don't miss this. When you're experiencing strong, strong emotion, it opens the door to massive temptation. See, every bottom of the ninth moment, it brings some incredibly powerful temptations. And here's the temptation. It's to take a shortcut to get you where you want to get, to get you where you want to be as fast as you want to be there. Don't miss that. And those temptations, they come in as a variety of forms as, as we are. I mean, they come in a, like a thousand forms. But here's what all of those temptations have in common. You might want to write this down as well. You'll be tempted to trade what you want most in your future for what you want to experience right now. That's what every one of those temptations are going to have when you are in a bottom of the ninth kind of moment. You're going to be tempted to trade what you want most for what you want now. For example, some of you say, well, I want to be a person of integrity. But, but if I just compromise this one time, then it will get me where I want to be faster or, or it will get me out of this bottom of the night. Or listen, I want to be known as an honest person. But, but here's the thing. If I just shade the truth a little or if I don't tell everything I know in this situation, then I can escape this pressure or I can fix this problem or I can make this problem go away. Or like I want to be a person who's known as a faithful spouse. But this marriage, it isn't improving, it hasn't improved in years, so maybe I'll look for somebody else's attention. Just this once. Because I've put up with this for so long. See, listen, the temptations, when your emotions are strong in the bottom of the night, they come in a thousand forms, but it is always to trade. Don't miss this. It is always to trade what you want most for what you want right now. And don't miss this either. Bottom of the ninth moments, they bring them, them with them te the temptation. And this is the biggest temptation you're going to face. And that is to take matters into my own hands instead of trusting God. Because, see, I want it right now. And so instead of trusting God to get me there, there's going to be this amazing temptation, a pressure from a temptation that's going to say, listen, just take this in your hands and you make, take over at this moment in time instead of trusting God. Listen, when you are down to your last strike and you've prayed and you've prayed and there's no change and there's no progress, I mean, it's like, it's your temptation that you're going to face. It's my temptation that I'm going to face that we will always be tempted to stop trusting God and instead for us to start orchestrating and manipulating our own outcomes. 
And the reality is, while most of us would never say this out loud, like we start feeling at times in, in these bottom of the ninth moments, like if God is not going to get us what we want, then maybe he's just not worth following right now. Maybe he's just not trusting, worth trusting right now. Maybe it's not worth doing the right thing right now. See, the truth is, folks, every temptation, when you're in the bottom of the ninth, at its core is the test of how much we truly trust God. Like, like, do I believe the one who promised to provide? Do I believe the one who promised to care for me? Or can he truly be trusted? Like, do I believe that he has my best interest in my heart and that his, be his plans are best for me? Or is it time for me just kind of just to walk away and kind of do my own thing in this, in this season? See, that is the reality of what we're going to face. And that is the reality of the heart and at the core of every temptation. And I'm just telling you something. Those temptations when you're in the bottom of the night, I mean, they are so powerful because the emotions are so strong. But here's the problem with emotions. Emotions, they cause us to lose perspective of reality. Don't miss that. You've been there before. You've got caught up in the emotions, and you know that. You've been there before. You've got caught up in an emotion in a moment, and it causes us to lose perspective of reality. And see, emotions cause us to lose perspective of reality no matter what happens to us. Listen, in your bottom of the night, you're always going to be tempted to trade what you want most for what you want now. So today what we want to do is we want to remind you like, hey, if you give into those temptations, like there is always a bigger price to pay. So our goal is to kind of help you to be able to figure out how to face those temptations in a better way than just giving into them and going along with them because the reality is the end result never gets you where you want to go and what you want most. Now, to get us there, to help us understand this, and to think about a bottom of the ninth moment, um, I want you to think of Jesus. Now, when you start thinking about bottom of the ninth moments, you might not think of Jesus, first of all, because after all, I mean, Jesus can do anything that he wants to do, right? He can fix anything. I mean, everything is possible for God, right? But here's the thing you have to understand. When Jesus was on this earth, Jesus deliberately chose to empty himself of his divine power and rely on his heavenly father just like we do. Which means this, and, and this is why Jesus can be such a compassionate savior and have such empathy for us. Because he dealt with the same temptations that you face and that I face. Now when you start thinking about Jesus, you go, well his bottom of the ninth moment, well... I mean, yeah, ultimately the crucifixion was his ultimate bottom of the ninth moment. But here's the thing. If you, if you study or read the Gospels and you follow the life of Jesus, you begin to realize that Jesus faced other bottom of the ninth moments as well. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at one of those bottom of the ninth moments. Because in this moment in Jesus' life, and it happens early on in his ministry, it teaches us a powerful lesson of how we can avoid the mistake of giving into temptation whenever life is tough and those emotions are just pressing in hard on us. Now, to give us this story, 
I'm going to talk about a guy, or we're going to hear it from a guy by the name of Matthew. And Matthew, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and, and he tells us that early on in Jesus' ministry, Jesus shows up at the Jordan River. In fact, you can go to Matthew chapter 4 if you want to follow along in your Bibles. And he tells us that Jesus showed up at the Jordan River, and there's this prophet there by the name of John the Baptist. And John is preaching, and he's declaring that the Messiah is coming, and the kingdom of God is coming. And, and then Jesus shows up, and Jesus had John baptize him. And at this baptism, the Spirit of God, he descends on John. And it's like, the people there, they are so amped up with what's happening because now John has declared, you know, Jesus is the Messiah, and, and there's been this visible evidence of that, and, and they're like, okay, man, this is what we've been waiting for. Now, Jesus, this Messiah, he can rise up, he can overthrow Rome, this occupying force, and we're finally going to get our country back, and I mean, they're excited because like they've been waiting on the Messiah to come and deliver them for like thousands of years. But instead of Jesus starting this crusade and capitalizing on that momentum, this is what Matthew tells us happens. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And that's a little bit of an understatement. Some of you, you can't hardly make it to lunch today in your mind. But Jesus, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And like, like, like think, when, when you think about this, I mean, like Jesus is facing a real bottom of the ninth moment. I mean, for, forget the fact that he's about to be tempted, I mean, just head on by Satan himself. But you go 40 days without food and here's what I can tell you, even though this is Father's Day, most of you dads, you'd be willing to sell all of your kids for steak and potatoes, right? I mean, that's just how it works. I mean, we start getting hungry, we start getting grumpy, right? I mean, it's a tough time. So Jesus has gone through this 40 days of fasting, and, and there's always that spiritual pressure and tension that happens when you're going through a fast. And so then Jesus is about to face these temptations from Satan. So in every way possible, it's like Jesus is in the bottom of the ninth moment. And it's in this moment of weakness, after fasting for 40 days, and he's fatigued, and he's tired, and he's hungry, that he faces these three powerful temptations. And let me just tell you, these three temptations, you will face every one of them in your bottom of your ninth moment as well. In fact, let me give you each one of them. Here's the first one. Then the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So literally Satan's saying, listen, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, well, just turn these rocks into bread and eat. And, and you know, later on in Jesus' ministry, he does some miracles with some food. And so it doesn't seem like too dangerous for Jesus to do some miracles. But Jesus sees through what the devil is tempting him to do. In fact, this is the temptation that Jesus saw. This was the temptation to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And I'm telling you folks, in your bottom of the ninth moment, you're going to face the pressure and the temptation because of the emotions that you feel to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. I mean, think about it this way. Have you ever found yourself in a moment when it seemed like all hope was lost and, and all this thing that you've been praying for, like what needed to change in your life, 
it was very legitimate. I mean, they're like, there is nothing wrong with what you are asking God for. But you find yourself being tempted to satisfy that very legitimate need with a shortcut in a way that doesn't honor God or doesn't trust God to provide, like in a way that forces you to trade what you want most, your character, your integrity, for what you want in your life right now. And here's the thing you'll discover in these bottom of the ninth moments when you're tempted to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. You're going to find that this is difficult because you're hungry, because you're hurting, because you're angry, because like you can't understand why God wouldn't provide what you want when you want it, because it's a need, and it's obvious, and you know that God can see there's a need, and it's like, why won't God change this? Why won't God answer my prayer? Where is God in this situation? Listen, all of those doubts and all of those fears and all of those emotions, what they do is they tempt us to give in, to take a shortcut, and to try to make things happen on our own, in our own way. But I'm telling you folks, when you do that, when you meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way, there is a price that you have to pay. And Jesus knows that. And here's Jesus' response to Satan. Jesus answered, it is written... Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, here's the thing. In this moment, Jesus, he quotes a scripture, or he quotes, really, he quotes Moses, something that Moses told the Israelites like thousands of years ago. And when you first read this, we go, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm telling you, when they heard it, it made perfect sense to them. Because they understood the context of it. But really what Jesus is saying in his response to this temptation is this. He's like, listen, in the face of this temptation, Satan, I'm choosing to trust God. I'm going to keep my hope in the one who promised to be my hope. Like, I'm not going to try to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Like, I'm not going to try to be the person who meets my need. If the prayer is going to be answered... If the need is going to be met, it's because I've chosen to trust him to do this and to come through in this. So he resists that temptation and saying, no, 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 I'm going to trust God. But you know, the devil's never finished, is he? Like when you're in the bottom of the ninth, he, he doesn't give up. He just keeps coming back. And so here's the second temptation. Then the devil took him to a holy city or to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And here's what he said to him. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So this is the second type of temptation that not only Jesus experienced, but you and I, we're going to experience. And, and it's a temptation that most everyone, when, when we tell you, you're going to go, yeah, I felt that. Here it is. It's the temptation to manipulate God to do what we want him to do to try to force his hand, to try to make him move on our behalf. Now, here was, here's what's interesting about this. If you notice this, Satan is quoting Scripture to Jesus. He, he's basically saying, listen, I found this verse that says God won't let anything harm you, Jesus. Now, I know it's out of context, but who worries about context when you're in a crisis, right? You know, Jesus, you just get up on top of this temple and you just throw yourself off. You just jump off. 
and it's going to force God to rescue you. And then we'll know that you really are who you say you are. Now, here's where this gets really practical for us, because as Christ followers, don't we do this all the time? Like we get down to our last strike and, and, and like somehow we think that we can force God to do what we want him to do. Besides, here's what we do. We say, and by the way, God, you got this verse, Jer- Jeremiah 29, 11, right? You said it. You know, God, you got plans to prosper us. And oh, and oh, by the way, there's another verse, Romans 8, 28. I mean, like all things work together for good. And, and then there's a verse in Philippians chapter 4 that says, God will provide all of my needs. And so, God, you don't have a choice. Because you said it. Now, I understand, God, I took it completely out of the context that you said. And I know that when you said to the nation of Israel, you had plans to prosper them. That wasn't going to happen for 70 years. But I don't got 70 years. I need it now. And let's not talk about the fact that I made some choices that contributed to this mess that I'm in. And that have got me in this bottom of the night moment. But God, based upon your verses, you got to clean up the mess. Because I got a verse. And I'm going to hold you accountable, God, to your verse. But, you know, don't we do that all the time? But Jesus sees right through this. In fact, here's how he responds in verse 7. He says, Jesus answered him, it is also written, I got a verse too. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. Like, don't take a verse out of context and try to use it against God. According to Jesus' verse, his verse says, it's not my place ever put God to a test it's not my place ever to try to force his hand or presume on his plan he's God and I trust him he's God and I believe that he knows what's best he's God and he's worthy of following whether he does what I want him to do in this moment or not but Jesus had one more temptation to face and we find this in verse 8 and you're going to face this same temptation as well Notice verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. This is the temptation. It is the temptation to accomplish God's plan my way. It is the temptation to accomplish God's plan my way. Listen, the whole reason that Jesus came to this earth was so that people would see his glory and know that he was a son of God. He, he literally came to this earth to communicate and to demonstrate what God was like. He, he literally said to people, he says, like, I'm God because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I'm really here to show you how much God cares about you. And Satan says, listen, listen, how about if I give you a shortcut to that? Like, how about if you don't have to go to the cross to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose for your life. And he says, all you have to do is just bow down to me once, just for a moment, and I'll give you everything that you want. Like, how tempting do you think that had to be to Jesus? Like, to avoid the cross, to avoid the suffering and the pain of the cross, to avoid waiting for like another three years before all that happened, to avoid all the frustration of his earthly ministry that he was going to have to experience. Like, all I have to do is just for like a split second, like set aside my convictions. I mean, could it really be that bad for me to compromise my convictions for just just a moment? 
And you think about what would have happened had Jesus compromised his conviction for just a moment and gave into this temptation. I mean, salvation would have been lost for all of humanity. See, there's always more at stake than what we think. Listen, when you are in your bottom of the ninth moment, you're going to be tempted to take matters into your own hands and to accomplish God's plan, God's way. And I just want to tell you something. For those of you in ministry and those of you that really are you know, all about ministry, and I, I know this, because I'm telling you folks, this is the greatest temptation of my life. As a pastor, I mean, like, after pastoring for 25 or 30 years, you, you start kind of figuring out some paths and patterns. And one of the things I keep coming back to God now is saying, because, I mean, this temptation, when things get difficult, is like, well, I just take it, you know, I know how to make this happen. And I have to go back on my knees and go, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. I'm going to trust God to show me something new in this new season. And I just want to tell you, if you're doing any kind of ministry and, and you have any kind of tenure in ministry, your greatest temptation that you're going to face is to try to accomplish God's plan your way. Resist that temptation. It's the only way that you ever get to see him do something new. Bring about a new season, new miracles, new experiences, new levels of living with God. But you understand that Jesus, he responds at this point in time, and he goes, okay, this is, this is enough. Enough of this. Notice verse 10. Here's what he says. Jesus said to him, Satan, away from me, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came, and they attended to him. I think it means they brought him steak and potatoes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> I want you to notice what Jesus said to him. He goes away from me, Satan. Listen, every time you're facing one of these temptations, you have to understand, and the temptation is going to come through the form of your emotions. You have to understand, this is not just your emotions speaking. This is Satan speaking. And Jesus is saying to Satan what you and I need to say every time we're tempted. And that is this. Satan, I'm not going to set aside what I want most. Not even for a second. I'm not going to compromise for a moment in order to get what I want right now. Even if it would make me more comfortable right now, that's a trade that never is worth making. So get behind me, Satan. And here's the reality. I'm not Jesus, and you're not Jesus. But here's what I do know. In our bottom of the ninth moments, they bring with them very powerful emotional temptations. And there's going to be the temptation for you to think that that is your emotions talking to you. And Jesus clearly shows us that's not your emotions. That is your enemy, the devil. That is your enemy, Satan. And it's going to be the temptation to trade what we want most for what we're not, for what we want right now. And I'm telling you something, if you're not prepared for that by understanding, hey, this is a temptation, not just emotions, here's what's going to happen. You will fall for it. I mean, think about it. If you're not aware that those emotions are, are, the, are, the tempt, are what Satan uses to tempt us, you'll not be prepared. 
and you'll try to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And you'll try to manipulate God to move and do what you want. And, and you'll try to take a shortcut to accomplish God's plan your way. But here's what you have to remember. Whenever you face one of those emotional temptations, and that is this. There's always more at stake than what you can see in this moment. In this moment, all you're seeing is, how do I get out of this pain? In this moment, all you're seeing is, how do I fix this problem? But there's always more at stake than what you can see. Now, we can't tell you, we don't have time to tell you everything that is at stake. But here's the things. I'll give you three things this morning that are real quickly help you begin to see what really can be at stake. And that is this. The first one is this. Your future is at stake. See, your decision now, it always defines your life later. Your choice right now is always going to show up down the road. I mean, you can't see what's down that road right now, and neither can I. But I'm telling you, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize if you resist that temptation that your future is so much better because you resisted it, or you're going to go, my life went south. Because I did not refuse that temptation. Listen, doors will open or close. Opportunities are going to come and go. Your future is always impacted by how you respond to the emotional temptations or any temptation, for that matter, right now. But that's not all that is at stake. Your family is at stake. And fathers, I want you to understand this today. Sometimes we don't think about this when we're making decisions as dads, as husbands, as fathers. Listen, we never make decisions in isolation. And how you handle the bottom of the ninth moments will impact those that you love and respect the most. Don't miss what I just said there. How you handle the temptations in your bottom of the ninth moments, they are going to impact those that you love and you care about the most. Listen, if you compromise your integrity, if you walk away from your faith, if you cheat to get what you want, listen, not just you're going to pay, they are going to pay. And you know, on Father's Day, as much as we love to celebrate good fathers, here, here's the thing, for many of you on many of our campuses, I, I don't have to convince you that your family's at stake. Because as a child growing up in your home, I mean, even as an adult, that's the story of your life. I mean, because you look back over your life and you go, my life has been so much more complicated because somebody that I loved and somebody that I thought loved me, my dad, my father, he gave in to a temptation and it wrecked our family. And in the moment that he gave into that temptation, he didn't think about anybody else. He was only thinking about himself and how to get himself out of that pain. And your life has been wrecked and complicated in so many different ways because of that. But you know what? That's not all that's at stake when you allow the emotional temptations to drive your life. And that is this. Your faith is at stake. And here's what we mean by that. Your confidence that God is with you, when you start compromising, it, start, it starts minimizing your faith. Like your ability to do the next right thing, to avoid the next emotional temptation that comes toward you. Like your opportunity to come out of this bottom of the ninth moment a better person, it is at stake. 
Because you just compromise your faith if you give in to the temptation. Like, if you give in to the temptation, you lose your chance to see your character and your faith grow. You lose the opportunity to learn things about yourself and to learn things about God that you can only learn when you choose to trust Him. You lose the chance to experience Him in a more up-close and personal way than you've ever experienced him before. Because if you notice, like when you're in the bottom of the ninth, so many times it just causes you to fall on your face before God, to fall on your knees before God, and just cry out saying, God, I need you. And it is in that desperation that we begin to experience God at levels that we never thought we would ever experience him before. Listen, there is a high price to pay when you choose temptation in the bottom of the ninth, it's a very high price to pay. So here's our challenge to you. There's two things, and, and I want you to write these down because these, these are so, so important. Like, we, we want you to think about that area that you're being tempted right now. Think about that decision that you're being in the middle of making, that, that relationship that you're in, that area of your life right now where you are facing temptation. And see, no, nobody may know that you're facing temptation in this area. Like, like, you know, like, you know that you're contemplating cheating. You, you know that you're considering lying in this situation. I mean, like, you know that you're about to walk away and, and just give up on it all. I mean, like, like, you know that you're even about ready to give up on God. You, you, haven't, you haven't said this to anybody, but you know what? You know what the temptation is that you're facing right now. In light of that temptation, here's our challenge, two things to you. First of all, make the commitment right now that you'll never trade the ultimate for the immediate. This week, before you act, before you act out of that emotion, will you stop and consider saying, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, what do I really want the most? Don't let the emotion, the pressure of the emotion, cloud your perspective here in the immediate. Like, what you want most is far more valuable than what you want right now. Don't trade the ultimate for the immediate. Because we said, like, a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, here's what will happen. You will absolutely regret it if you do. But there's a second thing that we challenge you to do, and I'm telling you, folks, this one is pers personal, this one's hard, this one's going to require the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you because it's going to require guts. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't do this next one, you will probably trade the ultimate for the immediate. Here's the second thing you need to do. You need to tell one person you trust about the temptation that you're facing. You need to tell one person you trust about the temptation you're, you're facing and I'll tell you why because if you fight this emotional temptation on your own you will most likely fail you, you need to tell somebody so they can help you and they can encourage you and they can be praying for you like see God promises to give you power to resist any temptation in fact the apostle Paul he said God always provides a way out of the temptation but oftentimes that power and that path that God provides, it comes through the people that he puts in our lives. 
So while you ask God for help and while you ask God for power to help you overcome and resist that temptation, pray for not only the ability to choose what's ultimate and not immediate, but do not ignore the help that God is going to send you in the form of a trusted friend. Like you need somebody in this temptation with you. You need to tell somebody about the temptation that you're facing. Listen, men, this is important for us because our thing is, as men, it's like we want to be strong. We're going to make this happen. We're going to stand on our own. and We don't want anybody to know that we're facing these temptations. Listen, you need to tell somebody because those temptations are powerful. Folks, when you're in the bottom of the night, it is so easy to focus on the immediate. And when you do, you give in. And that's when you pay the price. Jesus shows us, no, instead of focusing on the immediate, you focus on the ultimate and you keep the end in mind. You remember as a dad, you remember as a father, you remember as a parent, you remember as a boss, you, you remember as a coworker, you remember as a friend, like, what do you want most 10, 15, 20 years from now? What do you want people to remember you for? And what, what do you want your life to represent to other people about God? And then you trust God and say, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. Because here's the reality. Even when you're down to your last strike, here's the reality. He is trustworthy, and you need to come back next week because I'm going to show you that as we get into a great sermon. Don't miss next week. But in the meantime, what you need to do is make the commitment today that you're not going to trust or that you're not going to exchange the ultimate for the immediate. And that you're going to tell somebody. And I'm going to pray for you that God will lay that person on your heart right now. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's convicting. But I also thank you that it's transforming. And I thank you that it's hope-giving and life-giving. And I just pray right now, Lord, that you'll begin to place on the hearts of every student, every man, every woman that's listening right now, the, the name of a person that they can trust. Do that now, Lord. Begin to place that name so that they can have someone who can come alongside them and help them bear this burden, help them fight against this temptation. God, help us all to understand that temptation is not a sin. It's only a sin if we give in to the temptation. So don't let Satan today in any way help us feel shame for being tempted because even Jesus was tempted. So help us to have the courage to go to that trusted friend, that trusted person, and tell them the battle we're fighting so that we, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, through the help of that friend that you're going to send in our life, can overcome and we can live for what we want most instead of what we want right now. Thank you for the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being with us. Happy Father's Day to all you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday.